as a venture studio, you might be doing the work in a different way than the main, than the larger organization. But if you can do it in a different way and leverage the assets of that larger organization, I think that's what, that's how you're going to create the sort of unfair competitive advantage. Texas Global, sparking innovative thoughts. Well, you might know him from the past gatherings or events of Texas Global Summit. Uh, today, we're going to talk to someone who's definitely um, in the field of building up businesses or 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 supporting uh, ecosystems, especially here in Asia. Uh, you are, of course, with me, Chawarat Yongjira Norapupay, on our special podcast of Texas Global Podcast, where we talk about innovation and inspirational ideas that might help you today as you're listening to us. Okay, so today we are with Mike Peng, the Chief Creative Officer of Moon Creative Lab. Two years prior, he was a partner of Audio Global and a managing director and co-founder of Audio Tokyo. And he's talking to us right from Japan, right? Sadika, hello. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Good to be here. Yes, thank you for talking to us today. Um, first off, uh, you know, it's been a rough two years uh, since we've actually talked to you uh, and, and interviewed you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your work so far and what you've been up to? Sure. Uh, yeah, first off, thank you so much for having me. It's so great to be able to talk to you, hopefully in person next time, but uh, <laughs> until now uh, on, the, on the digital channels. But uh, yes, as you mentioned, um, uh, prior to joining Moon, I was working at IDEO, and uh, I think many people might know of IDEO as a design innovation uh, consulting firm, uh, it, you know, helping other companies design new products, new services, new businesses. And so that's always been something I've been really passionate about. Uh, during my latter years at IDEO Tokyo, I met Moon Creative Lab. Uh, so Moon Creative Lab is a venture studio. Uh, that powers uh, the new businesses for Mitsui and Co. And so for those of you that don't know, Mitsui and Co is uh, what we call a Sogo Shosha. So it's a large Japanese trading and investment firm. So one of the largest uh, in Japan. And Sogo Shoshas, they're known, uh, they do everything from ramen to rockets. So it's a very diversified portfolio of businesses. And uh, they're traders and investors. And what that means is they do a lot of connecting. They do a lot of partnerships. They do a lot of joint ventures. And so they came to IDEO uh, because they were interested in creating you know, a new entity that would specialize in the creation of new, new businesses, new startups. And the reason for that is uh, uh, the corporate planning and strategy team was looking at the 2030 long-term management vision plan. And uh, when they were looking at the plan, they thought, hey, you know what, we're really good at connecting with other partners and other businesses, but uh, we think that the future is not just about connecting, but we also need to be able to create. We have to create businesses from scratch. And uh, we know that the creation of new businesses is very different than just the connecting of businesses. And that requires new skill sets, new mindsets, um, and requires you know, creativity and innovation. So in order to get the company going in that direction, we all we just we know we need to build a little entity uh, inside of Mitsui that can really specialize in that and help us you know, create new businesses. And so um, that's where that's where it all began. And so Moon has been around since uh, 2018. 
so the majority of Moon's uh, years have been during the pandemic, <laughs> which has been a little bit difficult. Interesting. Uh, but that being said, yeah, that, it's been really interesting trying to build um, a new business. And, you know, Moon is actually a new business as well uh, throughout the pandemic. And so over the last, you know, three plus years, uh, we've been trying to build new businesses. And so there's a few different ways businesses can form within Moon. So uh, Mitsui has 45,000 people around the world, right? And so any one of the 45,000 people may have a really good idea on a new business to start. They can submit it and they can pitch it. And if we, Moon, think that there's some potential, we bring them in and we surround them with designers, engineers, product folks to help them build that venture. Um, or a business unit, a business unit within Mitsui. So Mitsui has 16 different business units. But if a business unit has, you know, part of their long-term strategy has this interesting idea and they need help kind of creating that and launching it, they can also come to Moon and we can work with that business unit to, to you know, to bring that uh, idea to life. So yeah, that's what, that's what I've been up to for the last few years. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> especially when you're talking about during pandemic times as well. Um, and, and as I said, it's interesting because it's not like a regular thing that you would see like pre-pandemic, right? Now now we're like seeing what has happened in the past two years and we're kind of like, in, you know, luckily, you know, in a post-pandemic uh, stages. So it's, it's very interesting as to seeing your insight as to how things have changed. Um, so then would you say then the type of organization that is best suited to, to build a venture building or builder, um, has it changed? Well, first off, let, let's define what, what kind of organization would be best suited to create a venture builder first then. Yeah, I think so. So we're, we're interesting. You know, I know we're, uh, there's many terms for what we do. I think venture builder is a good one. Um, a lot of people also, you know, you'll hear the word venture studio quite often as well. And what's interesting is we're kind of, we're a corporate venture studio, right? Because Mitsui is this large organization and within Mitsui's large ecosystem, we are helping Mitsui build new ventures. Uh, and so, I, you know, to me, if I, if I think about that category, there's a, there's a few things that organizations need to, you know, or are, are best suited for this type of work. I think as I mentioned before, this needs to be part of a bigger strategy for the organization. Uh, venture building, any type of venture studio, venture building, this is not, these are not quick wins. Uh, these take time. And especially within a, a very corporate type of organization, it takes even longer, right? This is, we're not uh, pulling the, you know, the young hackers from around the world. We're talking about you know business folks you know who have been in the organization for ten tens of years who have maybe new ideas but you know have never done that before have never started that idea or never built that business before, so I think these are organizations that need to really have um, who are really looking towards the future, um, and then these are organizations that are also uh, willing to be patient as I mentioned, but I think more importantly uh, we organizations that are best suited for this need to embrace a culture of experimentation. They need to be really open and flexible to things that will work, but also things that don't work. And as opposed to penalizing uh, or reprimanding the things that don't work, these need to be organizations that will take that as learnings, as fuel to then uh, bring, it, bring it back into the system and use it to like double down on you know what's 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 next, and so uh, it requires really that sort of that that culture of experimentation, the the culture to celebrate failures, um, and that growth mindset uh, in order to actually you know to successfully uh, 
be part of the, the organization. So that's just a few things. Um, I think they, this, uh, you know, venture studios, venture builders, um, and we'll talk about the definition, I think, you know, going forward, but like, I think it's a lot around time and talent. So these uh, take a little bit longer mm -hmm. than maybe uh, your uh, so-called incubator or accelerator. Um, mm -hmm. And we want to surround it with, uh, surround each idea with amazing talent, right? And so we have designers, engineers, product folks, uh, and then we have HR operations, marketing that help aid that venture as well. And so uh, in order to do that, you need to make sure you're building an organization that can uh, attract that talent. Uh, and then you apply that talent to each of the different ideas. Uh, is, is it important as well that you have a clear goal as to like, you know, because that's often one of the biggest mistakes that companies do. Um, then, okay, you, you, you tease a little bit about that, you know, about the definitions. And, and definitely, I think, think uh, perhaps maybe we'll try to clarify that to in our podcast today, because I, I'm sure for those who are new to this, I mean, I mean, they should already have heard about, you know, venture building and stuff, but for those who are still new, I mean, you know, we don't, you know, uh, let's, let's just be equal to everyone, you know, everyone should have the equal chances to understand the, these concepts, which are changing and evolving every day. So um, let's clarify, you know, what is the difference between venture building or you say, you know, venture studios and, and as you just mentioned, they're accelerators. Yeah, I think, I think it's a lot based on the stage um, and then the type of support that an accelerator and or a venture studio provides. And so if I think about the traditional sense of an accelerator, uh, the idea is already defined, uh, you know, you already have that sort of um, that person who has the idea, who started the idea, maybe already has an MVP, and they're coming uh, to an accelerator because they're looking for accelerated growth. Right, so uh, they already have the idea, they've already probably prototyped it a bunch, and now they're coming to the accelerator to look for capital, look for networks, look for support services to get to the next stage. Um, and it's for a limited amount of time. So I, mm. I think accelerators often um, come in batches. So there's like a batch of organizations that are all coming into the accelerator at the same time. Again, not all accelerators are the same, um, but it's very programmatic. It's very program-based. And so uh, as soon as these organiz uh, these new startups come in, um, it's, it's, you know, within three to six months, how, how, how far can we accelerate that particular venture? Venture studios, I think, are much earlier in the process. So, um, and also they take it, way past, I think where, not way past, but I think also uh, where accelerators end up. So think of a, a venture studio, venture builder as uh, being much more holistic. So because uh, the, I, where the idea comes from may not have even started yet when you, when, you know, when you come to a venture studio. So in our case uh, at Mitsui, uh, we are just spending just as much time refining uh, an initial idea with someone who has the idea and then once that idea comes into Moon, we're then supporting it, growing it, and then hopefully we get to a point where we can then, you know, more radically grow it, accelerate it, uh, give it marketing support, give all the different types of support to launch into a new co. So I say I see Ventures Studio as being, um, you know, a longer part of the journey. So all the way from idea conception uh, to potentially a potential exit of whatever kind versus accelerators, you usually have skipped that initial step. You've already have an idea you already have a pretty good sense of the business and they come into the accelerator really for an accelerated period of time of growth and then can exit accordingly. 
And so that's where, um, you know, different types of companies will join, you know, different types of organizations. But Mitsui, for Mitsui, why, why it makes sense to create a venture studio is mm -hmm. that we're not working with the, you know, the hotshot engineer who can really hack their way through the system, right? We're talking about uh, people who have been at Mitsui for 10 years, 20 years, who've just been, you know, business investors and traders. They may not know exactly what it takes to launch a business. And so when a venture studio really makes sense because we are going to surround them and, and guide them through this entire process from the idea of conception all the way to a potential exit. For those who are, you know, organizations or companies that are, are figuring between the two, the, these two types of, of support uh, uh, programs, um, what would you say to them? I, I mean, what's your advice in terms of deciding between the two? I mean, obviously there's pros and cons, right? Yes. Um, I mean, I think those, those organizations that uh, have naturally built in a culture of, you know, uh, brainstorming, prototyping, launching new businesses, I would say a lot more tech companies, uh, tech oriented companies, uh, you know, may choose a, an incubator accelerator model, right? Because they, they're, they're uh, innately in uh, being involved in technology. They're able to move quite quickly. They're used to moving quite quickly. Uh, they're used to, let's say, agile development. And so, you know, when, when choosing a program, they can choose one where they can, you know, they're going to really get all the utilization out of an accelerator incubator to, to, to succeed. I think for organizations like a Mitsui, that's much more traditional business, right? And so, uh, yes, technology is now um, a big part of the organization. There's a lot of digital transformation, but Mitsui's bread and butter is a lot of raw materials. It's very, you know, I would say old school business. In these cases, I say a venture studio makes a bit more sense because um, you know, you're, you're, the people that you have within the organization may not know exactly what it takes to have those entrepreneurial uh, kind of uh, skill sets, mindsets to build a business. And in those cases, it take, things take a little bit longer. Um, they need to be guided more through the process. Uh, there's a lot more different types of support that we could offer as part of a venture studio. So uh, it's not purely time-based, but uh, you know, if you give it a little bit longer, you can, you know, there's a lot of learning that people go through and um, they, they learn just as much about what it takes to uh, build an engineer product in addition to providing them the resources that will be able to do that. So I would say organizations that um, I would say have a bit, are, I don't want to say a bit more conservative, but like uh, are a bit more old school in, in that sense, I think could really benefit from a venture studio model because it just gives them a little bit more room to play with and, and bring their organization along with it. More time, more resources. So that I think is one of the, the, the downsides or I think the cons, which is it is a bit more time and resource um, strained, right? Then I would say uh, an accelerator. And so uh, it, that's why I think it also requires an organization who's really committed uh, to seeing this through for a, a little bit of time because it's going to take longer. It's going to require more resources. But if you're able to be patient and if you can kind of refine the model, I think, um, yeah, it gives it a bit more, uh, yeah, uh, a bit more breathing room to actually succeed. So what are the key, I mean, we, we've teased a little bit about the, you know, uh, having, being, what kind, what type of organization being conservative, uh, you know, being committed. Uh, what are the key success factors that, you know, from your experience that you've seen that have been kind of universal in, in you know, making sure that venture builders or venture studios are a success? 
Yeah, I'm not sure if this is uh, for all venture builders and venture studios, but I can speak specifically for Mitsui uh, and Moon Creative Lab, where uh, you really, I, I think you brought this up earlier, you really need to define what success is. And there's not just one type of success. <laughs> uh, success comes in many different shapes and sizes. So even in the, uh, you know, as Moon, even if we have a portfolio of let's say 15 or 20 ventures or projects, success for each of them may look a little bit different because they're not of the same industry. Uh, you know, each person is built a bit differently. The teams are a bit different. So I think we need to really, you, you know, as a venture studio, you really have to define what does success look like and to make sure that it's not one note because you're going to see many different types of uh, organizations come through uh, that, it, that are built differently, that are in a different industry that may move more quickly, but more slowly, uh, that are more resource intensive, that are more resource light. Like there's so many different combinations of factors that sort of define success. So I'd say uh, one of the success factors is to actually define what success is. Uh, the second one I alluded to this is you, I think you need a portfolio of ventures. So, so meaning like not everything is going to be, you know, within one year, we're going to, you know, it's going to be a million dollar company. Uh, I think it's, you need some that maybe I, you can see some shorter term wins, but others that maybe require some development that you won't see anything until another couple years. And I think the variety of uh, portfolio, the variety within the portfolio, I think is really important for a venture studio as well. Um, because Moon is a, a corporate venture studio, uh, that also means that I think every venture studio that's part of a, a larger organization should always look at how to utilize the assets of that larger organization. That is how you're going to get. Uh, that's how you're going to get competitive advantage, right? And so, don't build a venture studio to try and do everything opposite from what the larger organization is doing. Uh, what you need to do is you need to really understand the larger organization, all the assets they have, all the partnerships they have, and see where you can really take advantage of them, as opposed to go the other way. And so, I think this is a very interesting tension because. As a venture studio, you might be doing the work in a different way than the main, than the larger organization. But if you can do it in a different way and leverage the assets of that larger organization, I think that's what that's how you're going to create the sort of unfair competitive advantage. Is that a challenge? Is that a challenge? Like, do you think that often people kind of stray from from the fact, you know, of like, oh, you know, it, we really need to start something new. So let's just start something new without really thinking about what they have at the same time and, and leveraging that. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of, and I, you know, call it what you want, not all of them are venture studios, but there's a lot of, you know, innovation hubs <laughs> that are located, you know, that large organizations have. And any time where I feel like the innovation, that innovation center, whether it's a venture studio, whether it's a hub, whatever you want to call it, um, strays too far from the, the mother organization, uh, and it, it, it usually is doomed for failure. But being too close is also not right either because you're just then gonna adopt the, the mothership's kind of way of thinking and uh, the politics and bureaucracy is gonna prevent you from also doing things a bit differently. So I think um, always holding the tension, I think tension is a good thing, uh, not a bad thing. So I think holding the tension of how close, how far you are away from mothership 
uh, how much you utilize uh, the larger organization in terms of assets, but how much you want to you know, create your own way forward. I think always holding that tension is going to be one of the key success factors for a lot of venture studios. And it's an art because it, it requires, you know, I think those that think they can avoid the, you know, avoid the large mother organization um, by doing this really cool, agile, we're, we're so creative, we're so different. Uh, you're going to be in a lot of trouble because I think, you know, the organization is successful for a reason, right? And if you ignore it too much, or if you keep pushing it away, uh, you just won't get the buy-in and you won't get the support that you need. And so it's about constantly, it's an ebb and flow of uh, informing them enough of what we're doing and you know what to get excited about, but also you know protecting a, a good portion of it so that you can actually move a little bit faster than the mother uh, organization. I think that, that that tension is always really key. What would you say would be some of the lessons you've learned? Uh, you know, over the past. I mean, of course, nothing is perfect. <laughs> she said, you know, it, there's there's always tension, there's always challenges to overcome. Um, what are some things that, that we can learn from, from what you've experienced? Yeah, this is my favorite thing. This is my mantra. <laughs> I, I kind of hold, not only, not only do I tell folks uh, within, our, uh, within our organization, but it's just something I really believe in, um, which is small times many equals big. Small times many equals big. And I say that because everyone is looking for the unicorn. Everyone wants that big, you know, that Airbnb, the thing that's going to be like, oh my God, this is so disruptive. And it's, uh, you know, it's going to be one of the biggest organizations um, out there. But it just, you know, I think, yeah, good, good on you if you can do that. But that, you know, I think for something like a venture studio, actually little successes along the way those multiplied together can actually uh, create a big win, right? And I think it's le it might be less, less sexy, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think when you're trying to build something new, that idea of actually, are we moving forward? You know, are we, is there, you know, does the organization have a compass? This is the difference between a compass and a map, right? We don't have a map, we have a compass to make sure we're just heading in the right direction. Um, and as long as we're heading the, in the right direction and there's small wins along the way and we can talk about those small wins, I think that's huge uh, because that's where you're going you're gonna to start building up momentum and then you'll get some bigger wins, right? But if you're looking, and I think this is the failure of a lot of sort of new innovation hubs and you know, uh, venture studios, which is if you're looking for that big win in like a year or two years after you start, it's just going to be really difficult and you're going to have all this pressure and it's just, you know, you're going to make decisions solely based on money. And I think all of us know that money is only one piece of the equation, right? And so I think that's why, that, you know, I hold this mantra, small times many equals big, uh, very close to my heart. Um, another uh, sort of lesson learned is, especially in the beginning of anything you create, but especially like a venture studio, you know, you're, you're not going to get monetary returns, you know, really quickly, right? And thus, you need what I call a lot of soft power, and you need to communicate that soft power. And that soft power to me is uh, in stories, right? Uh, and so for us at Moon, we have two big missions. You know, one is to launch successful new businesses, but the other is to start transforming the people within Mitsui, you know, teaching them new skills and new mindsets. And so if you can, you know, if the creation of new businesses, it's going to take a little bit longer to actually see successes. The more stories you can tell of 
you know, these small wins and how people have transformed and, uh, you know, where that project was a year ago and where they are now, how many more users they were able to get, um, how, how much more viral their idea is. If you can use this soft power uh, to help communicate with not only within the larger organization, but uh, more globally, um, I think that can buy you more time to actually then hit some of these, uh, you know, what I call more the big power, right? Which is like the money, the monetary returns and, and things you're seeing. So I think don't underestimate the soft power. In fact, I think really leverage the soft power in your favor. And then the third, I you know, mentioned this before, but uh, you should obviously showcase your successes, um, but you have to celebrate your failures. Uh, you're not going to get everything right and to ignore them and to, you know, pretend they never happened and to feel embarrassed by them is counter to the culture that you're trying to create. And so by celebrating failures, you're saying failures is okay and it's completely part of this process. And let's really use those quote unquote failures as uh, the learning fuel to get us to the next step, because the more we, the more we fail, the actually the more we learn and the better we're going to get. And so I think that that idea, I think is really critical too. And so those companies that are able to do that, I think, um, uh, will have a much better chance of success. I, I, I'm, I'm totally like sparks are flying. Definitely. Like you shouldn't be comparing yourself to others. And, and this is a really hard thing. It's like human nature, isn't it? Everybody thinks that if they follow, uh, you know, they have to, to be like Silicon Valley. They have to like, to have a, a, a you know, play by the book, but it, that's, that's the whole point, isn't it? Of the, the disruption that we've been facing. And that is like, it's not ABC. Um, it depends on your ecosystem. It depends on on your company and your corporations and, and everything. Um, I, I have a little follow up question. It's like, how do you then, you know, you say, you know, uh, you have to have soft power. That, that's a good thing. You also have to uh, understand that it's, it's not just about money. Uh, but then how do you at the same time satisfy uh, or assure the corporation side of, of your progress? Yeah, I think, I mean, this doesn't mean, you know, uh, these, uh, the, this criteria doesn't include any sort of uh, quantitative measurements, right? I think quantitative measurements are really important. I think the key is to show traction, right? And traction can come in many different, you know, flavors. Uh, traction doesn't always have to come. I mean, of course, traction, you would love to see traction in terms of the typical, you know, three letter acronym, right? MAU, DAU, all these like monthly active users, daily active users. You want to see these like grow, you know, and ideally more exponential, uh, exponentially. But I think there, um, you know, as long as there is a measurement in place that shows that this project, this venture is progressing you know, in, a, in, a, in the forward motion, um, I think that's really key. And so uh, we have this thing at Moon um, that's our version of a, what we call North Star metric. So every single project has one measurement that they have defined as the one key measurement that will show that things are progressing forward. And everyone gets to determine that at the beginning of the year. And of course that can change, but that's the only one measurement quantitatively that we want to continuously follow and that will continuously track. And just because you don't hit it doesn't mean it's bad, but it show, it, it offers a, a conversation starter, right? For the, the committee and the board that decides, you know, you know, what comes next. And so um, I think, you know, showing some, uh, showing traction, showing progress is really key. Uh, but we also know that in the beginning stage, you know, it's, it's not, you know, it's not, 
black and white. Like you, it's not just that you hit to this number and you're going to be successful. There's so many other factors. And so what we want to make sure is there's some way to quantitatively compare uh, on a regular cadence, but that we surround that with other stories, other things that we, that give us the sense that this is something that's worth continually investing in. Um, an interesting aspect, as I mentioned before, um, and I saved it to, to now, in, in terms of the evolution of uh, venture studios and, and venture builders uh, in the past years, especially with your experience during the pandemic, creating something, you know, or, or making that, that new, uh, you know, with, uh, new things with, with uh, Moon Creative Lab, um, how do you think or how have you seen the evolution of, of venture builders or, or studios, especially with the pandemic? Yeah, I... Yeah, I think um, it's really interesting because my sense is venture builders, venture studios are itself an evolution of accelerators and incubators, right? Like, yeah. um, okay. uh, so, you know, accelerators and incubators each play its own role. Uh, someone realized that there's a gap somewhere, you know, in the market, which is like, mm, there's no one that's helping, you know, take it from all the way from beginning, from A to Z. Uh, oh, can we create an organization like that that can help build the venture from beginning to end? And so I've already, like, if, if venture studios are already an evolution of uh, some of the things we've seen in the world, I think the next thing is to say, okay, what's the evolution of venture studios themselves? And I think that's really exciting. Like, I think we, we're constantly taking hints from everything that's out there in the world. But I think what's interesting is um, I find the space of corporate venture studios to be particularly exciting um, in the sense that you know, we're not, uh, at least currently in how we're, the organization is set up for as Moon Creative Lab, um, we're taking, the, we're utilizing the talent that sits within this really big behemoth organization. And our hypothesis is that you have amazing people with creative potential. There must be amazing ideas from people on the ground. Let's find them, let's bring it together, let's nurture it. And then I think we can create something new from it, right? Um, so uh, I think a lot of big corporations are much more in that sort of, okay, let's just go buy a company that can do that, right? Let's, uh, let's go buy, you know, a new company that, you know, see, you know, we see a lot of momentum, let's go buy them, let's acquire them, let's joint venture with them. Um, and to me, what's interesting is, no, I, I do believe that, you know, there are so, there's so much talent in-house we just have to find a way to unlock it. Um, and so that's where this, I like to call it the third space, right? So, uh, which is like, you have incubators, you have accelerators, and you have this like uh, big company with a small company within this big company, um, the corporate venture studio model. And I think there's something cool there. I think it's, you know, it's maybe not as sexy as, as I mentioned, as some of the other uh, organizations that are out there, but I think it can be very transformative. And what I've learned, you know, this is during my time at IDEA, working with so many different large companies in many different types of industries, which is, uh, you know, business, large organizations, you know, as, you know, maybe they've, they're, they're successful for a reason and they may have become conservative for a reason. But if you can find a way to unlock them uh, and uh, push them forward, especially in a place like Japan, other mm -hmm. Japanese organizations are going to follow. And then you're moving a whole country towards a direction, right? And so that's been my always hope, which is if, if we can figure out how Moon Creative Lab can be successful for Mitsui and Mitsui becomes, you know, um, a really successful large organization that also is innovative and creative, 
you can you better believe that all these other large Japanese corporations are going to be like, oh, I want something like that too. And then if you keep moving all that direction, like I, I'm excited for what what society has in store, right? Where and where the intersection of business, like large business, uh, entrepreneurial startups, where that all comes together. I think that's really, really exciting. And so, I don't know, that's a long way, not really answering the question, but I do think there's something in the space where let's not just ditch these old traditional businesses, let's actually celebrate them and let's find the talent within them. And, and you know, if you uh, give it a bit of a spark from external folks, you know, like myself, who who have worked with many different types of organizations, and you you know you blend that in with this you know large company, uh, you know what what successes can come out of that? I think it's kind of exciting to think about. No, it is, it is, uh, and and, I'm, and and you know it's a reflection of Asia as well. I mean, Southeast Asia, Thailand, <laughs> you know, there's, there's such big corporate power here. Um, and, and, and from my observation of, of, of the ecosystem or, or the environment in Japan, I mean, if you could do that in Japan, that's, that's a really good reflection of what is the possibility for um, others in Asia to follow. Um, so then, you know, what is, you, that's, you, you say that the, you talked about the potential, but then do you have any final advice for, for those who are listening who are still probably working uh, within organizations or, or well, you know, have to deal with organizations? Um, how, how can we move forward uh, mm -hmm. in, in a very wise way, in a way, in a way that you know, is innovative, but at the same time, as you said, you know, leveraging what has already been built over the years? Mm -hmm. I think you actually mentioned this earlier, which I really subscribe to, uh, and this is going to be a little bit ironic, but uh, as someone who lives in the Bay Area, you know, in, in Silicon Valley, but don't just look at the Silicon Valley model. It is not the only model out there. And it's still, we're still not sure if it's the right successful model, right? Like, I think what's interesting is bringing the best of East meets West. And that does not mean just taking everything from the West and importing it to the East. I actually think the special sauce is taking so much of uh, Asia, you know, Asia is not one country. Asia is many different countries, many different, but there's similar value systems. There's similar cultural aspects. And, you know, I think many times, you know, a lot of folks have said, oh, that it goes against the sort of startup and innovation. Sure, maybe in the traditional sense, but I think the future is about how do you take all the goodness that exists in Asia and move it forward in a new way. And that new way is not a pure Silicon Valley model way. I think it's about taking some hints from there for sure, uh, but also really leveraging what Asia is really, really good at, right? Um, and, and pushing that forward as well. I don't know exactly what those are. I think that's something that we're really excited to figure out as well. But if I look at Japan and what's so amazing and special about Japan, you look at the culture and you look at tradition and you look at quality, right? Um, mm. And you look at um, the pursuit of perfection. Um, many of these are intention with things that happen, let's say in the US, right? Which is like, it needs to be fast. It needs to be quick. It needs to be agile. It needs, you know, like, uh, it's also be new, 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 right? And so I think there is the ability to take some of these, you know, cultural inspiration from Asia and then like really figuring out how to leverage those aspects uh, in this new way. Um, so that to me is like what my advice for Asia is don't ever ditch 
the things that really make Asia special, right? And that's specific to each country. In fact, it should be the opposite. It's about looking at what Asia is really strong at and seeing if there's just a twist on that, a slight twist on that, that can push us forward. Uh, and I think that's that would be really exciting because I, I'm a firm believer that a lot of the future, future of society in general uh, is gonna come from Asia. There's so much Asia has to offer. Um, and, and so my belief is, uh, you know, it's not about ditching this to become more Western. It's about trying to find these, you know, these beautiful combinations that can take it forward. Thank you so much for sharing, uh, uh, you know, your insight on on your work so far. On and it's in in very insightful and very inspirational, very uh, energizing to see that you know you're working in a field where um, definitely we're going to see a change in in how uh, things are 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 done in in terms of creating new business and also building on top of old business. To wrap up things here on on our podcast talk, I want to give you the opportunity to to. Have, say anything that we haven't said so far. <laughs> last words, last takeaway for, for our listeners. If I think about what really motivates me and what gets me really excited, uh, it's always the intersection of things. It's never one thing alone. And so I mentioned the sort of this like East meets West intersection, right? Which I think is really key. But I also think, you know, creative thinking and rational business thinking, right? One is not better than the other, but the intersection is what's really, really exciting. And so I think uh, one thing that I keep close to me is that, you know, the world is complicated. It's never one or the other. It's always a little bit of everything. And so I think it's about finding the interesting intersections is where I think the future is going to be. And so don't ever think, don't ever be forced to choose one or the other. Uh, I think actually it's the taking of the best of both worlds or multiple worlds uh, that's really going to be the key to success. Thank you so much for those words. And, and I'm sure we're going to see more from you, hopefully, hopefully face to face here in Thailand. But in the meantime, uh, we wish you well. Thank you so much, Mike, for being with us here on our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, and this has been a yet another episode of Texas Global Podcast. Tune in for more on our website and uh, our podcast list. So stay tuned for that. For now, bye-bye. Sadika. Texas, sparking innovative thoughts.